Reader's Entertainment Radio presents Book Lights with your host, author Lisa Kessler. Book Lights, where we're shining a light on good books. Hello, everyone. I'm just over here rocking out to our special Halloween theme for October. Um, <laughs> thanks for listening in to Book Lights today. If you are a frequent listener, you know that Halloween is my favorite time of year, and it's also the time when I bring on all the horror authors and spooky stuff all in October, and I'm very excited because today we're going to be talking about the science of witchcraft with author Kelly Florence. And if you have not read her books yet, it's a whole series, and we're going to, we're going to talk about them for sure, but you should definitely go buy them. And uh, if you haven't met Kelly or read her books yet, I will read her bio here so you can get to know her. Kelly Florence is an American author, screenwriter, and podcaster. She is best known for her books, The Science of Monsters, the Science of Women in Horror, The Science of Stephen King, The Science of Serial Killers, and the forthcoming, well, no, it's actually out now this month, The Science of Witchcraft, all from Skyhorse Publishing. All of the books are written together with her co-author, Meg Hastall. I hope I didn't butcher that. She is also known for her podcast, Horror Rewind, and a Be a Better Communicator. I did put a link to her website there, so definitely go check her out and sign up for her newsletter. And without any further delay, are you there, Kelly? I'm here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being on. And before the show, we were talking, and you're actually in Salem in the witch country right now, right? Yes, we are here for a book signing on a part of our book tour, and it's our first time in Salem, and we couldn't be more thrilled. It's just perfect. Oh, I love that. And I was, my new series is set in Salem. So in April, I was up there book researching and it was so beautiful, super cold still in April, but so beautiful. Everyone was so nice. Are you loving it? And it's, I bet it's all decorated too for Halloween. Yes, everything is Halloween themed. We couldn't believe every shop and restaurant we've been into so far has Halloween decorations everywhere and especially which ones. So we're like, this is perfect. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Well, do you want to tell everybody about the science of witchcraft? What is this book? What is it about? Is it teaching people witchy things or is it about fictional witches? Can you tell us more? Sure. So with all of our books, what we look through is the lens of science. And we usually start with films, so films based on witches. And then we look at the history, uh, the true science, culture, lore, behind these topics that are explored in that film. And then we interview experts from various fields, whether it be a filmmaker who worked on the film that we're talking about, or a, a very specific uh, type of scientist that can shed light on the topics that we explore. So we explore everything from The Wizard of Oz to uh, a more recent horror movie called The Wretched, but they all include witches. I love that. And so is, is Hocus Pocus represented you know, we didn't cover Hocus Pocus because uh, there were so many witch movies and TV shows that we covered. It We didn't cover it, but of course, we know people love Hocus Pocus and Hocus Pocus too, and we're excited to uh, see everything Hocus Pocus related while we're here in Salem. Yes, they have a Hocus Pocus tour up there. <laughs> oh, yes. So many things to do. Uh-huh. 
Right, right. So um, why were you attracted to like the science, the science of it? I know all of your books are the science of, are, are you a scientist? Do you love science? How did that all come together? So my, my co-author and best friend, Meg, and I, we didn't know each other growing up, but we found out when we met that both of us throughout our childhoods, we always loved scary things. And every time we would see a scary movie or read a scary book, we were the kind of girls who would go to the library after and look up research about the topics. And so it might have been about psychology or it might have been about the real history or it might have been about the cultural lore. And so we were always fascinated by those things. When we got together, it was the first time we met someone else who had all these same interests. Um, Meg is a horror fiction writer, and I'm a communications professor, but we realized coming together uh, for our podcast, we were talking about these subjects, so we're like, why don't we start writing about them? And we realized no one else had been covering horror through this science lens, so it was a perfect fit, and now we're currently on our sixth book. Oh, I love that. And when I was getting ready for the show, I had seen, um, and you and I were talking about it, the science of Stephen King, and I, I've read a bunch of Stephen King, and I was going, well, isn't most of it supernatural? But what kind of science did you guys find? Yeah, so that's the that was the fun part about researching uh, for the science, uh, the science of Stephen King book. First of all, part of it is biographical. So we talk about what was happening in his life at that time that inspired him to write the stories that he wrote. And oftentimes it was based on an article he read a news story he saw on TV, just a tidbit of something real that happened in his life that then inspired him to, you know, twist it a little bit and, and make it maybe, maybe into supernatural, but definitely explore some of those truths that he was thinking about and keeping him up at night. So we explore everything from time travel. We um, interview a physicist. We uh, talk about aura photography in his book. You know, he talks about auras and, and uh, all of these different subjects. So it's not it's some of it is based in truth and that can be scarier than fiction. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Anyone who has read The Stand and then lived through COVID knows that it's a little terrifying. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I I mentioned we were like we're literally writing finishing up that chapter um in March of twenty twenty and uh, I had begun the research earlier before we even, you know, thought COVID would be a thing. And it was talking about some of the methods that people were using to cure the, the flu of 1918. And one of them was from a doctor in Minnesota, and he swore that squirrel soup would cure everyone. And just, you know, find some squirrels, make some soup oh out of them, God. and you'll be fine. <laughs> of course, I we don't <laughs> recommend doing that, but at the time, he was like, you'll be fine. <laughs> It made us look at squirrels differently oh that spring. Like, was he onto something? I don't think so. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> well, well, what kind of science did you find behind the witches? Yeah, so everything from, um, like, like I mentioned, we talk about the, everything from Wizard of Oz to very current things. Um, when we were looking at the legend of Sleepy Hollow, uh, we were learning about, or you know, looking at witches making potions and spells with herbs and things found in nature. So we interviewed an indigenous ethnobotanist who taught us and made us look at the world in a different way. And she was saying all of these things have been passed down through generations, mostly by women. And there are, of course, healing properties in nature that are science-based, but it started to become, you know, considered witchcraft, quote unquote, 
when men started getting into the, the field of medicine and science and thinking that the women were performing some ritual that, you know, was outside of the norm. And so um, it's interesting to look at it in that scientific lens and that it's not, even though it might have been considered witchcraft, it's always been based in science. Right. And I, I had written down to ask you witches versus, versus the patriarchy because um, when I was writing my series, I, uh, starting my series, I was doing a lot of digging into, you know, the history of when was the first time that people, you know, actually deemed someone a witch and all that kind of thing. And it's always the men. Um, and right. so I feel like there is, you know, men are somewhat threatened because women produce life and it probably started there and then that women could heal you know and and there's this power we don't understand do you guys dig into that in the book we do and that was you know some of the the hard history to uncover is what you know what really happened to women who weren't doing anything you know based in the occult for example but just um, seen as an other uh, in quotes right that because she was doing something different. She must be a witch or she must be hysterical and things, you know, everything from disobeying your husband or not wanting to get married or not wanting to have children or not being able to bear a child. All of these things we understand through our current lens as natural and normal. But if, you know, you were outside of the norm, then you must, you must be a witch. Right. <laughs> right. Well, and, and also when did the, um, you know, there now I don't have my notes in front of me, but I know there was a time when the church got involved and they decided that, you know, this they were the ones who hooked it up to the devil and the occult because it's always been plant based and all this, you know, so were you guys able to dig into, you know, when this got hooked up with worshiping the devil because realistically it was people who were good with plants, right? Right. And, you know, part, a lot of people think, um, they just assume Salem, which, you know, where I am right now, it's, oh, that was the beginning of the witch trials. But Europe has an extensive history and it really started, uh, I mean, probably before, it but there started are over there. Mentions, yeah. There's mentions in the Bible, of course, of, of the word witch. Um, but then also, the Witch Hunter's Guide, when that was written, that really, mm-hmm. you know, listed out all the criteria for the things to look for in women, you know, mo- most specifically. There are some men who were accused of witchcraft, but um, mostly women and the things to look for. And, you know, that really set set everything back. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, in in Europe, it went even further than really what happened in in Salem and and I wonder if um sometimes movies and TV you know take that as well you know they get their power from the devil and that kind of thing and when does magic come into it besides just plants and things yeah so you know there's mentioned throughout history as I as I said and then there's a was a sort of a wave of spiritualism and people starting to, mm-hmm. you know, play more with uh, tarot, just casually uh, with each other, and you know, Ouija boards, all of those things that we, they, and still today people associate with witchcraft. Um, but it was more that exploration of of spiritualism, and so, you know, there's there's a whole gamut, of course, of of what's considered a witch and what people 
who practice witchcraft and who are Wiccan mm-hmm. uh, believe. But we came, kind of came away with all of our research feeling empowered that to be a witch, to claim to be a witch, it means you're independent, you're strong, you're fierce, and you're going to create your own destiny as opposed to being uh, shut down by the patriarchy. Yes, yes. And and also, I'm I'm very woo-woo as a person and I always feel like so much of it is your intention and and yeah. having that we all we all have this power it's you know there's so much of us we're all made from you know <laughs> this energy that Einstein can find no beginning and no end and we're all part of that so intention is you know strong and so rituals with an intention can make things happen and people may deem that to be magic, you know? Right. You know, and as you mentioned, like manifestation, it sounds very Mm woo-woo and people talk about having vision boards or manifest journaling. But what we found in practice and in research is that science supports that if you are journaling every day, your goals and saying, okay, I'm going to exercise today, or I'm, I'm going to do this towards my career. You, there's that connection physically between your brain and your hand and writing it down. And that act and that ritual of writing it down every day and working towards it will actually help you and, and setting those intentions in a positive way are going to help you accomplish your goals as opposed to never taking that step and thinking negatively about things. It, it all comes back to um, the power of our minds, truly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and to you know have that deemed as as witchcraft, I feel like a lot of that goes back to that patriarchy that women are doing this, <laughs> you know? Right, right. They can't imagine that. How did she get this on her own? What did she do? It must be witchcraft. <laughs> Yes, yes. There's no way she ran this farm on her own. <laughs> right. She must have well, I wanted to... to help her. Yes, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I wanted to ask you about your podcast about the Horror Rewind. Did that come before the science of books or did the science of books fire you up so much that you decided to do the podcast how did that come to be yeah so we we actually started the podcast first um, because we had started writing um, some screenplays together and some plays and we're like you know it we're talking about all of these horror topics every week anyway why don't we start a podcast and people can get in on our conversations and you know we can all feel like we're sitting around talking about um, what we watched we started with what we watched in our childhood through the lens of now and was it a good movie? Did we just like it for nostalgia reasons? Um, what we found is that a lot of movies held up, and some movies it's like, oh, I like that because I was a kid and it came out, you know, when I was in seventh grade. But what we realized right. through, yeah, through our through our podcast is all of those subjects that we had been researching on our own anyway. Um, this would this would make a great book, and no one had talked about it. So our first book came out in 2019, two years after we started our podcast, and it was The Science of Monsters. And so we, through different sections, we explored different historical monsters like vampires, ghosts. Um, we have three chapters on witches, um, creatures from the deep, all of these different movie tropes, and then the real science that they're based on. And it was so much fun. And then for our second book, we were able to explore the tropes that women have, have been portrayed in throughout the history of horror. And it, it's just, we're living our dream. It's so much fun to do this research and write about the, our, the genre we love. 
Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And are you guys still doing the podcast while you're writing the book? Yeah, we are. So every week we've got a new episode. And, um, yeah, we talk about currently we're talking about newer movies that have come out. Uh, last week we talked about the movie Smile that was number one at the box office. And uh, this week we're talking about the movie called My Best Friend's Exorcism. It's based on the novel by Grady Hendrix. So every week you'll get a new a new horror movie that we'll talk about. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I totally have to listen. Um, every yeah. year I do my annual Halloween movie countdown, um, which is not scientific at all, but I just love talking <laughs> about scary movies that I love. Yes. And so I'm constantly um, trying to add new ones, but there's so many that I have to rotate. So I have this big Google Doc of which ones were in last year and how many am I rotating out and which ones are favorites that get to be on every single year and, and all all those kind of things. So anyway, I would love to hear you know <laughs> which yeah. kind of which movies you you love. This year I added um I added a series. I've never done that before. It's always just movies, but I added Archive 81 from uh, oh, Netflix. Yes. I don't know if you watched mm-hmm. it. Oh, it was fantastic. Yeah. I loved it. Um <laughs> that time slipping back and forth and and it just oh, I thought that was fantastic. So that was the first time yeah. that I had a a series in there, but there have been a lot of cool series too, Midnight Mass oh, and all those yeah. kind of things. Do you guys talk about those? too we do we talk about we've talked about every mike flanagan project so far and our next episode is actually going to be the midnight club that uh just came out uh, a couple weeks ago which was mike flanagan and uh, he's just brilliant we really love everything he does yeah yeah i haven't watched that yet but i want to and i need to watch is it mr harrigan's phone that looks yeah. amazing also on netflix so there's so many great horror things oh and uh prey from hulu i don't yes, know if you watched that, that yet but dang yeah. that was good oh i thought so that good. was better you know, than the other predator movies yes <laughs> really no great. i thought i saw a movie critic say that horror fans will look back at 2022 like uh we look back at 1982 currently because it's been mm-hmm. such a huge amount of amazing horror movies and we're so lucky like we're just so thankful because you know, there, it's not always a great year for horror, but this year was definitely good. Right. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> so um, and we're just thankful have... that people realize. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say we're but... thankful people realize it's a box office draw. People want to see horror movies and watch horror TV shows. So we're thankful. Yes. Yeah. I think that um... – sometimes I I have people in my life who are like, why? Like my husband's not into scary movies. He likes spooky. Like he likes, he likes 1408, you know, with the spooky room, but he doesn't like anything with blood. And he's like, why do you do this? And I I was telling him it's something about, for me anyway, it's something about being able to live something that I would never want to live in real life. But exactly very, very interested in what that would be like, you know, watching Stranger Things yeah. and and things like that. I just, I, I like the what if of it. I certainly would never want that to happen in real life. But the what if of it always intrigues me and keeps me hooked, you know? Yes, I like to feel scared in a safe way. And that's exactly what yes. it is. I don't want to be in real peril, but I will definitely like to right. feel scared for the character. 
Yes, yes. And m- most often I can leave it when I turn it off, too. There, it, there right. are very few that that stick with me. I, the only one I can remember in recent time was that first Paranormal Activity movie. Dang. Oh, yes. <laughs> I was there very are... bothered after that. <laughs> yes, there are movies like that where I have to walk from my living room to my bedroom, which is at the end of a dark hall, and... I am picturing every creature that was in that movie I just watched, if it freaked me out like that one did, and it's like, oh, no, <laughs> here's my imagination. Right, right. I needed this new movie quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where's Moana? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, yeah, that, that uh, paranormal activity, this, just, and it wasn't even the, you know, footprints. It was the video of her watching him while he was sleeping and the hours of it. And he's fast oh, forwarding and she's just sort of wiggling back and forth. And I can remember laying in bed that night and feeling like someone was watching me. And I'm like, well, if they are, I don't want to know. Exactly. <laughs> and I don't know close. why. <laughs> yes. I don't know why our covers feel like a safe haven, but I will put my covers over my head and just be like, okay, <laughs> I'm going to be safe now. My foot's not sticking out. Yes. It's fine. Yes, as long as your foot's not over the bed, everything's <laughs> fine. <laughs> yep. Uh, do you have any favorite Halloween? I mean, well, it could be about Halloween or just scary in general that, that you like to watch every year that are just favorites for you. I definitely, I watch the original Halloween every year. I think that's, you know, a classic, and you have to watch Halloween. Um, I will watch anything that's on. There isn't necessarily um, a watch list that I'll watch uh, every year, but um, uh, I will watch, I've been watching Mike Flanagan or rewatching. I love Haunt, uh, Haunting of Hill House, Bly Manor, and Midnight Mass, and so I feel like those need to keep in the rotation because they're so good and so scary. Yes. Yes. And and I like the campy things too, like Lost Boys. I like to watch that yeah. every year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because you know the one thing that I hate about Santa Carla is damn vampires. Um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and so I just love fun. you know, him t- telling his older brother that, you know, wait till mom wait till I tell mom. <laughs> yes. Oh, we love we love those nostalgia movies and also that little bit of cheeky campy horror it's that's so much fun when there's of course there's some you know real horror scary things happening but you get those jokes at the same time which you know makes it makes it fun to watch yes um in fact i don't know if you guys cover american horror story but i think that that show has done such a great job writing horror and when they did the 1984 season which was basically yeah. you know a, an homage to um you know Friday the 13th and all of the camp kind of you know horror movies but it had so much heart at the end I'm like am I getting misty-eyed at American Horror Story but I thought they did a great job yeah that season in particular really really got me too it's that they balanced that nostalgia and also a little bit of true crime we interviewed um, the actor who played Richard Ramirez in that in that show um, Zach Via about his process and getting into that character on set. And he was very adamant that no one should ever be a method actor, especially if you're playing a serial killer, but he doesn't believe in it anytime. And so learning about, you know, his process of riding away from set every day and letting it go. Can, because I can only imagine 
what a heavy uh, right. part to, to have to portray every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And he did a great job as well. But, yeah. but that, um, that particular season, I was like, it is comically gory. And yet at the yes. end, I was like, Oh my, my heart. <laughs> yes. It was good. Yeah. Uh, I, that was a lot so, of fun. Right. Yeah. So I have to ask, um, do you, what do you do for Halloween? Are you a big, is this your, your spooky season, your favorite season? Do you have your favorite Halloween costumes? Do you dress up? Yeah. So every, every year now for the past, well, since 2019, when our books have been coming out in October, um, we've been going on a book tour. So it's like our busy season, but it's absolutely our favorite. Uh, last year, we went to the Universal Horror Nights dressed as the Shining Twins uh, because we had to have our matching blue dresses. And, yeah, we love the Shining. <laughs> and then we also dressed as Beetlejuice and Lydia, my best friend and I. And um, I think, well, this year I'm going to be a witch because it only makes sense for the science of witchcraft being out. Right. How about yes, you? Do you for sure. That? You Yes, I usually do, um, but I my favorite Halloween costume was, as a kid, I told my mom that I wanted to be a werewolf, which is hysterical because it was just last week I was talking with the guests and we were talking about Halloween costumes, and I was like, huh, I write all kinds of werewolves now. What? Um, yeah. I never put it together, but but yeah, my the, my werewolf costume was something to behold because I told her I wanted hair. I wanted hair all over me. And we had, our family had a weaving mill. And so she took the lint from chenille and wool, all the different yarns, because we would throw the lint away every day because it's a fire hazard. And so she started collecting it. And then we double-faced taped all of this gray lint all over me. And it looked just like fur. It oh was my on God. my face. It was everywhere. <laughs> do, you, do you still have a picture? I thought it was the best. I have not oh. found a picture yet, but I'm sure that there are some. But, yeah, it, yeah, I got first place at the elementary school costume contest. That was something. Okay, but, yeah, it was, yeah, too funny. I remember. I yeah, was, now I write I them. First, so. <laughs> yes, I was in first grade and wanted nothing more than to be the bride of Frankenstein, so I was. I think I also won a contest. And then, ironically, in 2020, our book, The Science of Women in Horror, has the bride of Frankenstein on the cover, and I just thought, wow, this has really come full circle. (laughs) Oh, were you the bride of Frankenstein again? No, but, you know, since my childhood, and then it came out on the cover of a book, it was just amazing. Right, with your name on it. (laughs) Yes. Love that. So who is your favorite fictional witch? You did all of this research. Do you have a favorite? You know, after doing the research and um, writing about Maleficent, I found out that, you know, her backstory that they created uh, gave her such a rich narrative and character that you actually should be rooting for her throughout the movies. And so I have to say Maleficent is my new, my new favorite witch. I love that. I was really happy with the backstory that they gave her, too. I thought that was great. Yeah, and it's, you know, it it doesn't excuse her bad behavior, but it definitely explains it. And so I like a complicated female character. Yes, for sure. <laughs> so uh, what's next for you guys? What are you working on? Do you have another science book coming out? 
Yeah, so we're currently working on our sixth book in the Science O series, and it's the science of Agatha Christie. And so we're looking at her body of work, and we've only been able to pick out 20 of her stories. She's got, of course, many more than that, but um, we've picked out 20 and looking at the science and the history that she wrote about. And then it's also like our Stephen King book, biographical, so you can see what was happening in her life at the time that she was inspired to write the story and, and what was happening in the world. Oh, my gosh, that sounds amazing. And when when is that one supposed to come out, next October? Um, 2023. It might, I think it might come out before October. Wait, we don't have a date yet. Oh, but, okay. Uh, it's due soon, so I think it's going to be sooner than that. <laughs> okay, all right. You're on deadline and on book tour. Exactly. That's the way it goes, though. It's, <laughs> it's either uh, feast or famine, as they say. We're, Very but true. we would always yes. rather be busy than bored. So we're busy. We'll take it. Yeah, I love that. Well, have a, the best time in Salem. And before we run out of time, how can readers get in touch with you? Are you on social media? How how should they reach out? Yeah, so you can find me anywhere, Kelly Florence. I'm on all social media. Also, Horror Rewind is our podcast. And both of those are websites as well. Okay, so everyone check out the podcast and definitely go get the Science of Witchcraft this month. It sounds amazing, and it's the perfect time of year for it, so <laughs> definitely yes. check that out. And Kelly, thanks so much for being here. Have the best time in Salem. It's I'm so jealous. <laughs> oh, thank you, and it's so nice to meet a fellow horror fan. Right? Yeah, I'm definitely going to check out your podcast, so <laughs> thanks so awesome. much for being here. Okay, okay, talk to you later. Okay, thanks. Bye. Thanks for joining us on Book Life. Be sure to connect with us at www.readersentertainment.com for articles, blogs, videos, and podcasts that matter to readers.